0: Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to BeFulfilled. It's the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Today's guest, you're going to love it. I'm absolutely excited for everyone who's jumping on as an entrepreneur and as a business owner. You're going to definitely want to figure out how you can implement what we're going to be talking about today as quick as you can into your life and then into your business. Now, before we jump into that, one of the questions we're going to be asking him today, and if we remove money from the equation, is what is his definition of success? It follows the series and the theme. Ryan Levesque is the Inc. 500 CEO of the Ask Method Company and the number one national best-selling author of Ask, which was named by Inc. as the number one marketing book of the year. His work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes Entrepreneur, and over 250,000 entrepreneurs subscribe to his email newsletter offering business advice. Now, he's also the co-founder and investment in Bucket.io, a leading marketing funnel software for entrepreneurs, and his latest book, Choose, helps readers avoid making the single biggest mistake when starting a business and guides people through answering the all-important question, what type of business should you start? We're going to find that out more today. Please welcome to the show, Ryan. Tony, it's awesome to be here, man. Hey, I'm excited and thank you very much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to jump in the show with us today. But the same question every guest has to answer is what is your definition of success?
1: So, At the very end of my latest book, Choose, I made a decision to include a letter that I wrote to my two sons. My two boys are four and seven years old right now. And I wrote this letter to them and I made the decision to include the entire letter. And one of the things I share in the letter is advice that I want to leave them with. And that's a letter that I hope that they read over and over again. And what I share with them is this, sure, leave it all on the field, but more importantly, live and love fully. And I feel like that's the definition of success leave it all in the field, give it everything that you've got. But even more important than that is to live and love fully. Man, that's beautiful. It's good. I've got two boys
0: on the other end of the spectrum. I've got an 18 and a 20 year old, you know, so it's, yeah. it's crazy. Like it's just to think about what the legacy you're leaving for your kids to, to, to live out, but also to understand who their dad was. And that's what's so cool. Yeah. A little background on you. Tell us a little bit how you got started.
1: Yeah, man. You know, so I came into this world of building online businesses, like many of us, like I didn't even know that this world existed. I was working a corporate job. I was working in finance and I had a friend of mine who never had a job in his life. He started a little company when he was in college, that company paid for his living expenses in college. He grew it after college. And he was basically, he had an e-commerce business selling rave supplies online. And he was telling me about his lifestyle and the fact that he was able to travel the world and, you know, do all these cool things. And he came to see me in China where I was working at the time. And it got me thinking about maybe there's this different world. And so I was introduced to that world. And my goal initially, Tony, was I wanted to quit my job and make $10,000 a month in passive income. Like that was like my dream. I said, if I can make $10,000 a month in my business, like I'll never, who would ever want to work another day of your life? Like that's like incredible, right? And so um, that was my big goal. And through a series of some failures, some successes along the way, that was 10 years ago. And this past year, we just celebrated passing $10 million in income in our business. And so just goes to show you, there's no such thing as an overnight success, taking 10 years to get here, a lot of hard work. But uh, I think a lot of us come in and we don't realize what we can actually do when you stick with something. You talked a little bit about your kids.
0: Mm. And getting up kind of every morning, you work from home, you work in an
1: office. Tell me a little bit about kind of your, your mode for operation. So when we first got started, like the, the way we first got started in our business, you know, I was working in Shanghai, China. My wife was a grad student getting her PhD in Hong Kong. So we're living this crazy bi-country marriage where we're seeing each other like once a month, flying back and forth to see each other. And one day in 2008, I quit my job. And it was in the middle of the world financial crisis. I literally walked into my office as an aside one morning and the Wall Street Journal read AIG to file for bankruptcy. That was a company I was working for. It was literally that day. I called my wife. I say, honey, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do it. I've been talking about starting my business. I'm going to quit. Wrote up a resignation letter, handed it to my boss. Two weeks later, I sold everything that I owned, moved in with my wife in a tiny 400 square foot apartment. It was student housing is where we started our first business. She was in grad school. We're in her mid-20s. So started that like in a simple 400 square foot, one room apartment. So it started there. Moved back to the States. We moved to Brownsville, Texas. We had a tiny apartment with bars on the windows about a mile away from the Mexican border. You know, I tell the story, it's a true story. We had a $50 a week grocery budget. That's what we could afford. My wife was making $36,000 a year as a museum curator at the Brownsville Historical Association. And we were living on $36,000 a year. And I spent my days working in the business, getting this thing launched after she came home from work, we'd make dinner, we'd work till the wee hours of the morning. And then I dr- we had only one car. So I would drive her to and from work every single day. And that's how we got started. That first business grew to $25,000 a month in about a year and a half. She quit her job after that. We got our first, bought our first house, tiny little house in, in, in Austin, Texas. And then fast forward to here we are today. It started just the two of us. I've got a team of about 55 people, uh, 55 employees now that, that work for us. We have a, a brownstone that we use as an office. So that's what you're, if you're watching this interview right now and you're wondering, where am I? We have a four story brownstone and it's a residential brownstone that we converted into office space. So we have uh, the master bedroom is converted into a studio space that you can see here where we film all of our video. We've got uh, a couple offices downstairs. The, the main living room is a boardroom. We run it like an Airbnb because we've got a lot of virtual staff. So we have people who will, like come in, they'll stay in, in the bedrooms here and they'll, they'll stay a couple nights here. And then we've got a separate house where we live. And for my routine now, um, we've got two young boys. Mornings are all about getting those kids to school on time. One thing that we're doing right now, Tony, that your listeners might appreciate is I, I introduced this thing at one of our events a couple months ago where I, I shared to our clients that my boys and I wanted to get fit. We wanted to just improve our fitness. And I'd recently bought a Peloton bike. I was getting on the bike. They're watching me do this. They can't get on the Peloton because they're too small. So I said, daddy, we want to do something every morning to exercise. And I said, well, why don't we do a push-up challenge? And so the name of the game was this. We started with 10 push push-ups, and we say every day, let's add one more push-up. So we'll start with 10. The next day we'll do 11. We'll do 12. Boys are four and seven. Well, fast forward to today. Today was uh, 48. So we did 48 push ups and we're going to go to 100. Now, I, I shared this with members of my community and people wanted to jump on this, this train, wanted to jump on this thing. And so we got people starting at all levels. People have never done a push up in their life. People starting at one push up, adding one per day. And it's been this great metaphor for succeeding, not just in fitness, but in business, in life. I think so many people rush to do 100 push ups. Instead of just focusing on where you're at right now and that incremental steady progress of adding one more a day. And so every morning, part of my routine, the question you ask, I shoot a lot of Facebook Live. I say, All right, we're in the living room, we're doing our pushups, days forty eight. All right, boys, let's do it. And then we do our push ups, sign off for the day, a little piece of wisdom, and have at it. So that's our our morning routine is a lot of time with the boys, getting the kids to school, working in between and trying to be the best dad possible and you know, run a fast growing company at the same time.
0: Well, man, I got to tell you, thank you so much for just laying it as simple as it is. I think getting (laughs) the most important point across is just start and then build some consistency and then never quit, right? And I think so many times people, like you said, you know, set the bar of 100. You know, I don't even think I could do 100 right now, but I could get to 100. Totally. A couple of things you talked about in the opener was you've had some failures. You've had some things along the way that didn't work. What are some things, like if you look back and question comes up like the single biggest mistake people make before starting their business so you could totally. avoid maybe some of the failures that you're going to face because you've done some things different so how would you answer that
1: so in my my first book ask i revealed the marketing methodology i used to enter 23 different markets and as you mentioned the book it succeeded well beyond my wildest imagination. It's hundreds of thousands of copies have been sold. It's published in all these different languages. And when you write a book like that, Tony, like you get a lot of great letters and emails and Facebook messages from people saying, oh, your book transformed my life and it's awesome. And I've used this, but you also get emails and letters from people who say, dude, I read your book. I followed the process you teach and it didn't work. What's up? And it frustrated me when I got those letters. It frustrated me to figure out what was, what did I miss? What did I do wrong? What did I leave out of the book? And what I found, Tony, in what became the biggest research project of my life over the last three years is that the single biggest reason why people were failing, having read the book, all came down to one thing. It came down to this. Most of the conventional wisdom out there when it comes to starting a business is all about answering the question of what. What type of business should I start? What should I sell? What should I create? What should I build? When in reality, the first question that you need to be asking, the one that's even more important than that, is not what? It's who, who are you going to serve? Who's going to be your market? The what is important, but the who is the foundation which all things are built. And I realized, Tony, just in very simple terms, people were following the ask method to the letter, but they were choosing really bad markets. And there's this metaphor that I I talk about in the book that I think is really helpful, and it's this. It's like starting a business, deciding what type of business to start, is like tossing your boat a raft in a river, Now, you can have the best raft money can buy. You can have the best equipment. Heck, you can bring your friends in to help row that raft with you and have the best possible crew. And you can bust your butt rowing that raft 18 hours a day. But if your raft is facing in the wrong direction, or worse yet, you put that raft in a river with no water in it, it doesn't matter how hard you row that thing. You're not going to get to your destination. And what I found is that people, they had the best raft, they had the best crew, they had the best equipment. They're working hard, rowing 18 hours a day, but they put their boat in a river that was never going to get them to where they wanted to go. And so that's why I wrote this book, Choose. It's all about how to make the single most important decision before starting your business. And that's not what to sell or what to create, but it's who to serve. And it's something that doesn't get enough attention. And it's what I discovered to be the single biggest reason why people fail when starting something new. That's powerful because you know I'm I've been an entrepreneur for 22 years. I've run this same company for
0: 18 years. You know, every single day I get new employees coming on board. What do we do? Why do we do it? You know, they start asking. But like, who do we serve? What's such a powerful concept, right? What are some things like? You know, we can talk about your book because I mean, I, I think it's it's powerful. I kind of I'm like sitting here the whole time thinking the ask is like, is it. Is it the why it works and the choose is like how it works, right? Because I think so many times there's a lot of things in our brain that says, well, was this book meant to be there or did you have to go down the path that you went to get to this moment where you realized, hey, wait, it served and helped hundreds of thousands of people, but it caused me to kind of think about some things of maybe why. And then you went into the who who am I needing to serve? And I just, I, Ryan, I got to congratulate you because from everything that I've been reading about it and just you as a person and knowing kind of, you know, nice to see you without your, uh, your nice, uh, beer. Uh,
1: you saw that Facebook post. Huh? yeah.
0: I loved it because I think what really makes you, you is that you said, Hey, my wife is making like $36,000 a year. We had bars on our place. You're a normal guy. You're not somebody who's just gifted a bunch of money and says, Hey, go live your life. You've been figuring it out, and you're like the people's champ. You're like the person who's out there in the trenches, trying every single day to improve and help people across many niches. And and I, I just want to say thank you for doing what you do because I think it's so important. And I think so many times we hear interviews, but don't get depth. And there's a lot of depth in you because from a making a statement and being able to talk about, hey, you know what, I. It, I had some people that didn't figure it out and and you were challenged. And I think in a lot of ways to go back and figure some stuff out. So I just want to say, thank you for that. No, I appreciate
1: that, man. And you know, one of the things I I talk about in the book is I am, believe it or not, like I'm a pretty risk adverse entrepreneur. (laughs) And one of the things I see, I tell like a lot of my friends that were, you know, I'm the first in my family to go to college. I grew up blue collar. My dad worked nights. My mom cut hair in the basement of our house. So as blue collar as you can come. And, uh, first, my family go to college. I get into an Ivy league school. I'm going to school with kids who went to the top prep schools in the country. Most of my friends from college are all lawyers, doctors, professors at the top universities in the world. And a lot of my friends, when I first started my business, were wondering what the heck am I doing? Why am I teaching people how to make scrabble tile jewelry with origami paper? Like they thought I'd lost my mind. And now a lot of them come and circle back and they say, Ryan, I want what you've created. Like, I hate my life as an attorney. I hate my life as a doctor. I'm not getting anywhere in academia. I would love to be able to have what you have. And so what I realized along the way, Tony, is that the reason why so many people don't take the leap is because they're afraid to give up good to go for great. Most people have a pretty good life, right? Most people aren't in a cardboard box Homeless on the side of the road with nothing to eat without a roof over their head. Most people have an okay life. It's a good life. And it's the fear of giving up good in the pursuit of great that holds people back. And that's why I wrote this book, because I'm just like that. I wanted to give people who are afraid of taking that leap, taking that risk, a formula, a methodology that you can know with relative certainty that your business is going to succeed before you actually invest time and money. Uh, in your life, into creating the
0: thing. If you walked into a store, you know, down the street today, you walked into, let's say, Barnes and Noble or some bookstore. Where would you find your book? Where would you think Choose would show up? What
1: category and who? And yeah, maybe I mean, why would people be searching for it? Choose is it's going to be in the business book section, depending on what type of how a bookstore might categorize its books. Within that, probably entrepreneurship, starting a new business. It's going to be right there, right it's in many ways, it's the, what's, what color is your parachute for starting a business? So what color is your parachutes? Like what type of job should you create? The book choose is all about what type of business you should create. And there's a process that we go through. And so we, it's a process of introspection, understanding yourself. There are four types of entrepreneurs that I talk about in the book. If you're mission-based, passion-based, opportunity-based, or like me, undecided, don't really know <laughs> what type of business you want to start. We then help identify what type of product you should focus on selling based on your personality. Are you more introverted? Are you more extroverted? What your lifestyle goals are? What your aspirations, what's most important to you? Is it freedom? Is it impact? What's most important to you? So putting all these ingredients together, you can help identify what type of business is right for you. And then from there, once you've got some clarity on that, go to that question of who? Who are you going to serve? Right? Because that at the end of the day is going to define whether you're successful or not, more than anything else, and in fact, there, there are seven tests that we go through in the book to identify if the business idea that you have is one that you should pursue, if it's a green light, if it's a red light, or if it's a yellow light, meaning you can proceed but proceed with caution. In the book, you you teach something uh,
0: describes as the five market must-haves. You, totally, can you explain just a little bit about that? I thought that was a fascinating piece.
1: Yeah. So. In the process of writing this book, one of the things that I did, I mentioned embarked on a a research project, the biggest research project of my life. And we looked at every single one of the 23 different markets and businesses that I'd gone into. And we looked at every single success. We looked at every single failure. Then we expanded that research to my students and my clients and their successes and their failures. And I was inspired by the work. I'm a huge fan of the work of Jim Collins. So Jim Collins wrote Good to Great great by choice, built to last. And for those not familiar, Jim Collins is uh, known for studying the most iconic companies in the world and understanding what factors contributed to their success and what separated companies that have been around and have stood the test of time versus those who have been around for a few years and then sort of fall off a cliff. And I was similarly curious to understand what were the characteristics, what were the factors that made the successful markets successful and the markets that didn't succeed failures. And I came up with five specific factors, five market must-haves. Every single one of the successes had all five of these. Every single one of the failures was missing at least one of these key ingredients. So I'll give you the five one by one. The first is what we call an evergreen market. Evergreen means the market was relevant 10, 15, 25 years ago, and it'll be relevant 10, 15, 25 years from now. That's in contrast with a fad market bad markets. We see them all the time. They go big real fast. Everybody tends to jump on those bandwagons and then they disappear overnight. So I mentioned first business that I started failed. It was the Scrabble tile jewelry business. So we taught people how to make jewelry with Scrabble tiles and origami paper. You might be wondering how the heck did I get into that business? My wife at the time, and this is 2007, 2008, was a huge fan of the website Etsy.com. Etsy for anyone not familiar. It's an uh, eBay for selling handmade products. So like crocheting pottery, you know, things like that, right. For crafters. And there was this jewelry that was selling like crazy and it involved combining origami paper with Scrabble tiles and it was blowing up. And so at the time we're living in China and she says, honey, I know you're trying to figure out what business to start. What if we create this jewelry? We're here in China. We have access to all the origami paper you could ever want. We have access to inexpensive labor. We could set up a little factory in Southern China, just over the border of Hong Kong. And we could import this jewelry into the United States. What do you think? And I said, I don't want to build that kind of business. Like, I don't want to be tied to a factory. I want a location-independent business where I can travel and do all sorts of cool things. So I shut the door on the idea. And then fast forward a few weeks later, she comes back to me with the same thing. And she says, I want to talk more about that Scrabble tile jewelry thing. And I said, honey, I thought we closed the door on this thing. And she said, no, 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 time out, time out, time out. Not making the jewelry, check this woman's shop out on Etsy. Mm. Show me the shop. And as a woman who wasn't making the jewelry, she was teaching people how to make the jewelry. She was selling an online tutorial, a PDF on how to make the jewelry. Now, the cool thing about Etsy is you can see a person's sales history. Oh, wow. You can see how many sales are generating every single day. And so we did the math. This woman was making about 20 to 30 sales a day with this $20, $30 PDF. We did the math real quick, Tony. We said, This woman was making $15,000 a month selling a simple PDF. We bought the PDF. It wasn't very good. It was like made in Microsoft Word. It was so homemade and spelling mistakes. And so we said, we think we can do something better than this. So we built a better mousetrap. My wife learned how to make the jewelry. We took great photographs, did the instruction, yada, yada, yada. Create this guide, start making $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month, $5,000 a month, $9,000 a month. We said, we're going to be rich. First business, like, we're going to get rich off this thing. And then before we knew it, the worldwide Scrabble tile jewelry market fell off a cliff. It crashed. We learned that it was a fad market. The website Etsy was filled with suppliers. Everybody was making the jewelry. People, there was no one left to buy the jewelry. And so there was no one left to buy the tutorials on how to make the jewelry. At this point, I'd quit my job. My wife was doing a PhD program. She's finishing that up. We have no money coming in. We went through our entire savings, basically. And we had this moment where we looked at each other and said, oh, crap, what do we do next? So that is the type of market you want to avoid. You want to avoid a fad market. And the one that's more recent that many of us, many of your listeners I think will be familiar with is the Bitcoin market. If you look at the Bitcoin market and you study the keyword volume, you go to a website called Google Trends or trends.google.com, you can see this for yourself. You can see the keyword volume for Bitcoin explodes. It goes big, 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 big. And then when Bitcoin crashed, it fell off a cliff. And I know a lot of people who went into businesses, whether it's teaching, whether it's membership sites, whether it's uh, exchanges themselves to be part of the whole Bitcoin craze, who are now out of business having to do something else. So you want a market that is not a fad. You want a market that's going to be around. So how do you know that? Well, you can use Google Trends. You can use a tool called Google Trends. It's free. And you can look at markets that the keyword volume is stable over time, not just for a few months or a few years, but for decades. And so the next business that we went into was the Orchid Care market. So I wanted to go into a market that was not going to go away orchids as in the flowers. It's been around for, you know, they've been around for 60 million years. Since the time of the dinosaurs, they've 80,000 plus varieties of orchids around the world and people have been caring for orchids. They're Renaissance paintings with people caring for orchids four or 500 years ago. And chances are four or 500 years from now, orchids are still going to be a thing. So I was burned by the Scrabble tile experience. I said, I want a market that's never going to go away. Gardening is the longest lasting, oldest hobby in America. 200 million Americans garden in some way, shape, or form. I said, this is as evergreen as it comes. So that's the first market must have. Number two, it's not enough to be in an evergreen market. You have to be in an evergreen enthusiast market. Now, an enthusiast market is in contrast with a problem solution market. This is the second market must have. Problem solution market, Tony, is like the flood removal market. Say you have a a flood in your basement and you want to get the the flooding removed. That's a, a problem that people, they solve the problem and they never want to think about it ever again for the rest of their life. They're not signing up for an email newsletter on uh, flood removal tips. They're not joining a Facebook group. They're not joining a a mastermind or a club or anything like that. No, it's like they never want to deal with it ever again. You want a market that is an enthusiast market, one where people remain consumers in that market for years and years and years. So, the classic example is like the dog market. So, if you've got dogs, you know someone has dogs. We're a dog owner. We got a little dog earlier this year. Dog owners are crazy, right? Dog owners spend tons of money on their pets. I mean, our four and a half pound chihuahua, we spend more money on this thing, pound for pound, than I think is even possible between the the crate and the doggy bowls and doggy food and leashes and harnesses and doggy sweaters because when it gets cold, she needs a sweater and and the mugs and the Christmas ornament, and the T shirts, and I mean, it just never ends.
0: Maybe <laughs> you hey, if you're listening to this episode, just want you to know. Ryan's telling you right now, it never ends, so slow down.
1: (laughs) You know, so the point is, you're looking for a market, Tony, where you can find a customer and sell multiple things to the same customer, as opposed to a problem-solution market where you constantly have to find a new customer every time you want to generate a sale. So, that's an enthusiast market. Now, it's not enough. To be in an evergreen and an enthusiast market, you need to solve market must have number three, which is an urgent problem in the context of that enthusiast market. What that means is this, you go into the dog market. What you don't want to do is go into that market selling doggy mugs as your main focus. You want to find an urgent problem. In the book, it's what I call a $10,000 problem that people have in that market. So, In the dog market, classic example is the puppies peeing on the rug. You bring a new puppy home for the first time, puppy starts peeing on the rug. Peeing on the sofa, peeing on the clothes, peeing on the pillows, peeing on the bed. It becomes a problem. An urgent problem is the type of thing that someone wakes up one day and says, honey, enough is enough. We got to fix this thing today. It's a market, it's a problem where people are not price sensitive. It's a problem where people aren't going to shop around for weeks and weeks to get a 10% discount. They go online, they say, I got to solve this thing and we're going to solve it today. Now you want to look for that for several reasons. Number 1, the price sensitivity is the is the first one that I mentioned, but number 2, when you solve that problem for someone, you then can become their trusted advisor for life in that space, right? So I share a story in the in the book, Dana Obleman and her husband Mike, they have a company called Sleep Sense. They teach parents with young infants how to get their kiddos to sleep through the night. So if anyone has young kids, remember those days, right? When the kiddo's not sleeping through the night, Nobody's getting any sleep. They're miserable, right? And so that's an example of an urgent problem because they got parents that the baby over their shoulder, they got the iPhone in their hand like this, holding the baby, going to their website, buying their product because they're not going to go another night without getting that thing solved. That's the type of problem that you're looking to solve. So, urgent problem. Number four, market must have number four, is what's called a future problem. What that means is you're looking for a market where when you deliver success for someone, solving that first problem, that success leads to another new problem. Perfect example is Tony in the market that that you serve, right? Think about entrepreneurs, right? You think about people who want to start a business. What's the first problem you need to solve? Well, you got to choose, right? You got to figure out what business to start. You solve that problem, then it's like, all right, well, what do I create? What do people want in this market? You've got to ask. That's the next thing. After you create a successful product that people are buying, the next thing that happens is Crap, I'm doing all this work myself. How do I hire someone to help me? So every level of success leads to a new problem that you can then help people solve. So future problem, number four. And number five, and I learned this this one the hard way, is you want a market that is filled with what are called PWMs. PWMs, if you're not familiar, it's a phrase I learned first from the late, great Gary Halbert, largely regarded as one of the greatest direct response copywriters of all time. PWM stands for players with money. Now, it doesn't mean you want to be selling to billionaires or decamillionaires, but you want to be in a market where people spend a disproportionate amount of their income in that area of their life. Golf is a perfect example. If you know a golfer in your life, golfers spend crazy amounts of money on golf equipment, golf lessons, golf vacations, once-a-lifetime trips around the world, right? The golf market is filled with players with money. I'll give you another one, guitar lessons. Who do you think is spending money on guitar lessons online? Who do you think spends money on, on guitar lessons as you think about it? It's I'm,
0: I'm sitting here. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, it's well, guys.
1: You think, you know, yeah, 40, yeah, it's guys, right? It's 40s, probably middle 50s, aged. 60s. Yeah. 40s and fifties. Kids are a little bit older, right? So now they got a little bit of free time. They're not going to soccer practice and everything like that can finally spend time on themselves. And here's the thing. They can finally live out their dream that they had when they were 17 years old and they wanted to be a rock star. I can't okay. wait to get you in the fulfillment round today. You're going to have some fun with the questions. <laughs> so now, what I want to do, yeah.
0: Ryan, really quick is take a break. Yeah. And when we come back, I, I want to ask you just a couple seconds on being an investor in Bucket IO. I'm, I'm fascinated by it, the whole concept of funnels and everything, since you, you've done a lot with the ask method. And, and I, I love everything that you're doing today to kind of help educate our audience. So I want to come back and talk about that. Talk a little bit about how people can get your new book. And then I'm going to bring you into the fulfillment round. I'm going to ask you a bunch of random questions, get some new insight and intel on you. My buddy, Dr. Jeremy Wise, we were talking just the other day about you. Esther has said some great things about you. So I'm going to bring some good questions up to ask. So if you're listening today, stay close as we're going to be right back on the Be Fulfilled show with today's special guest, Ryan Levesque.
2: We're going to take a quick break. And since Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, Feel those ribs expand. That chest lifts towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it. You focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them. And let's get back to the show.
0: And we are back on the Beef of Field Show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, special guest today, the author of another, I'm just gonna put it out there, best-selling book, Ryan Levesque. His first book, Ask, went on to help tons and tons of businesses. As he was telling stories today, I'm like, not only did I remember reading his book, I'm like, I remember that story so clear and talking about orchids and talking about finding stuff in the marketplace that's going to be here for long term. And maybe, maybe find something today that is, you know, when I started a fulfillment company, I had a need specifically other fulfillment companies weren't able to help me. And they weren't, they weren't living it up to what I wanted them to be. And next thing I know, I've got chargebacks, customers yelling at me, all, all this stuff. So we made the decision one day to take it and make the industry better. And 18 years later, that's the story I got to tell every single day is, you know, I figured out for me something to do better. So I'm sitting here today just, you know, blown away and just kind of your insight, your, your passion to help others. And now you have this new book, Choose. Question that I really was going to break talking a little bit about is you decided to co-found a business and be an investor in Bucket.io, a leading marketing funnel software for entrepreneurs. Amongst everything you're doing, how did you make that decision? Wait, did you run it through your seven things and choose? Like,
1: tell me how you <laughs> figured that out. So we use the methodology that we teach. And so after writing the book Ask, I realized two things. Number one, the single biggest mistake that people were making, having gone through the process was choosing the bad market. And so that's what led to writing the book Choose. I also realized something else, that the biggest thing that was holding people back who were ready to ask was not having the right tech. They didn't have the right technology in place to implement the methodology. So they got the process. And so for anyone not familiar, Ask The methodology is all about asking a series of questions when people land on your website so that you can better understand a person's situation and direct them to the best product or resource based on those answers. And so instead of selling in a one-size-fits-all way, it allows you to customize your message based on a person's bucket. Now that in theory sounds fine. It's simple. It's an elegant process. It all makes sense. It's how we communicate with people in the real world. We don't talk to people in a one size fits all way. What do we do? We converse, we ask questions, and then we customize our recommendation to that person based on their situation. So this is about automating that process online. And the thing that I realized is that people were getting stuck on the tech and there was really no good solution in the market to deliver that. People were cobbling together things with scotch tape and rubber band. People were custom coding and custom developing things that weren't quite working, which was very expensive and time consuming. And so I was inspired to fill that gap based on what people told me they were struggling with, their single biggest challenge. And that led to creating and investing in a business called Bucket.io, which is simple technology that you can put on your website to ask a series of very simple questions designed to funnel people, put them into Bucket's. And you can do real-time lead scoring, and you can customize your messaging, customize your products, your services that you put in front of someone based on their situation. Thank you very much. No, it's passion. Number one, I think you
0: found a need, you filled it. But there's also something there in who you are is passion. Like you you want to make the world a better place. And you're doing that with all this, all the things we're talking about today. So, you know, your latest book, Choose, you know, it says it helps readers avoid making the single biggest mistake when starting a business and guides people through answering all the important questions. We've been listening to all the answers today. And I'm sitting here chomping at the bit. I want, I want to help our audience today to get a copy of your book. So how can people go and find it? Is
1: it Amazon? Where are you at? Yeah, we wanted to do something special for your listeners. And so here's what we decided to do. We're going to give away a free hardcover copy of the book to anybody who wants one, ship it to you anywhere in the world, doesn't matter where you are. Just ask you to pay a small shipping and handling fee to cover the cost of shipping. When you do that, I'm also going to include over $200 in free bonuses, including the audiobook, which I know a lot of your listeners listen to audiobooks and listen to podcasts. And so, hooking them up with the free copy of the audiobook, I'm hooking people up with my top 25 lucrative niches for 2019. So, those seven tests that I take you through in the book. I gave you 25 niches that pass every single one of those tests that you can use either as a creative a business in one of those spaces or use it as a jumping off point. And then a mindset training. One of the things I my, my educational background, what I studied in college was neuroscience. And so I've been a student of psychology and student of the brain. And so I have a, a training called business mindset training for launching your business, where I give you 17 mental hacks that you can use to overcome the biggest challenges. Most of us face, the head trash we run into when starting a business. So fear, failure, analysis, paralysis, overcoming self-doubt, 17 mental hacks you can use to help get you past those sticking points and be successful. $200 in free bonuses. It's all at a special link that we set up called choosethebook.com forward slash Tony in honor of the man himself here, (laughs) choosethebook.com forward slash Tony. And you can get yourself a free copy while supplies last and take advantage of those bonuses. Well, man, that's that's an honor. Thank you. So, anybody listening,
0: he said while supplies last, right? Like, it's hard to keep these. This things- is a physical copy of the book. Yeah, we don't have an unlimited uh, supply of these. I'm honored. I, I really am. And one of the things that I, I just want to talk about today, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of times as business owners, we get into this comparison game. We see people online. And one of the questions, I just want to kind of frame it in, a, in the right way is, what do you say when people come to you and, and you feel like they're, they're just comparing themselves to somebody else? Cause you, you brought up some really great names from Halbert. You were talking about people, like if you know Halbert well enough, he, he would tell you if you want to learn copywriting, right, go print out his sales letters and start writing. What are some things that you see people when they come to you and they're, they're stuck in a comparison mindset? You know, one of the things I tell people is this,
1: I say, listen, this is your race to run. This is your race to run. Right. Right. And we're all running the same race. Some people need to walk that race. Some people are sprinting through that race. Listen, some people are in a wheelchair running that race. And don't compare yourself to anybody else. Don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 10. It's simple, but it's really hard for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs because they see the flashiness
0: of Lambos and nice trips and all these Instagram photos and this and that. And in reality, no one wants to talk about putting in the time and the energy and the effort and then staying consistent. And I, I've loved everything. I've loved our entire interview today. I think the audience is going to love it. I'm encouraging anybody listening today to go to com slash Tony, and and you can get your copy while supplies last. You just pay the shipping and handling fee. You can ship it anywhere in the world. So Ryan, thank you for that offer and that nice gesture. And what I want to do is take you into what I call the fulfillment round. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. I'm
2: ready. And now it's time for the Fulfillment Round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannicas. And I promise Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? Product of the 80s or the
0: 90s? Product of the 90s. So would you say you're more into classic rock or hip-hop? classic rock. All right. What's one thing that
1: maybe our audience doesn't know about you that you could share today? I am what is known as a total a full Not an A-hole, an A-Fole, which stands for adult fan of Lego. I'm obsessed. Yeah, you carry a Lego with you. I do have Lego in my backpack right here. It's uh, some of my most cherished memories with my boys. Is spent. The times we sp- you spend on the living room floor building whatever set uh, battle that we're going to have and yeah, I wouldn't trade it for
0: anything in the world. Now they're out of business, but I always said I never wanted to grow up. I always wanted to be a Toys R Us kid. Yeah, yeah. I always want to be the kid. I never want to be that too serious adult. I want to always be having fun. I think there's something magical about fun. What is something that you remember about high school that really, maybe it was a professor, maybe it was a friend, that
1: really made an impression upon you growing up? I was one of these kids who got really good grades, but broke all the rules. And what's funny, I I shared this with one of my teachers who recently retired on Facebook. And it was an advanced English class. And my buddy and I always tried to find a way to get out of writing the papers. And so we do these videos instead. Now, this is in the kind of mid-90s. And video equipment wasn't what it is here today, right? So it's old, you know, parents, video camera, video editing on VHS tapes and things like that. But at the time, she got a lot of flack for it because other teachers didn't think it was fair. Other students didn't think it was fair. And when when she retired and her daughter, wasn't her, but it was her daughter who posted that her mom was retiring. I posted this big, long message. I say, I don't think you realize what impact that's had on me and the impact I've been able to have. Because what I spend my days doing is doing what we're doing right here, producing videos, video courses, video trainings, inspiring videos to get people to take control of their life and, and take massive action. And I think about the fact that she took a chance on me, broke the rules, let us break the rules to do that. And the impact that it's having in the world, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. No,
0: I appreciate you sharing. I, I think, you know what, we don't give enough credit to the people that really make an impact in our lives, we just so like, we're just like another chapter in our book we're writing. And I love the reflection piece. I think that's such a powerful component to life successes is, is to look back at all the lessons we've learned. My neighbor, Todd McGuire, always talks about it. Everyone's a teacher. They're teaching us something good or something bad. And we forget sometimes that teacher was trying to teach me how to solve a math problem I didn't want to pay attention to. And yes, I've used lessons from my math teachers and how to work my life today, right? I go back and remember when she explained something. So thank you for that. This next question is kind of geared to helping people to get some insight specifically. So who are some mentors, coaches, or maybe your board advisors that you have? Some, just some people in your life that are really
1: impactful. You know, I think about someone I consider to be the single most important mentor in my life, and his name is Dr. Glenn Livingston. So when I first came into this world and started studying building a business online, studying direct response advertising, studying all of this, I felt like everybody was being not truthful. I felt like everybody was, had some lie to tell. And Dr. Glenn Livingston was the first person that I believed. I believed that he was, he was someone who had gone into about a dozen different niche markets. And he's someone whose methodology really serves as the foundation for what it is that I've put out there, the Ask Method. He, in fact, wrote the foreword to my first book, Ask. And he's someone that I I tell this story in my first book that I wanted to work with him so badly that on Christmas Day one year, I FedExed him an eight-page personally written letter with a hundred-dollar bill affixed to the top of it and a thousand-dollar cashier check, basically selling him on why he should take me on as a paid coaching client to be a student. And since then, I've gone on 18-hour hikes with him. We've become good friends. He's someone whose wisdom has certainly impacted me in a huge way. And every single one of my students benefits from his work. So he's the name that comes to mind when I think of mentor. Thank you so much for sharing. Last
0: question. You may have been asked this sometime in your life, but when we get to go and it's our time's up, we look back on our life and there's a day you're born and a day you die, what do you think your dash
1: would read? That's a profound question. It's a profound question. I think I would go back to the first question that you asked at the beginning of this interview, which is the advice I pass on to my boys, which I try to live and embody every single day, and that is leave it all in the field and live and love fully. And I hope that my epitaph reads that I lived a life filled with that. You did what it was all
0: about. You Take us to the very beginning because the very beginning is what we are all about every single day is you know how we begin and how we live and how we love and how we we treat others. And I want to say thank you, Ryan. I'm looking forward to actually getting a chance to meet you in person. My my circle of influence speaks so highly of you. You were an amazing guest today on the Be Fulfilled show. Our community is going to eat this interview up. But as a human being, from one person to another, thank you very much for making us a very important part of your day because your words are going to go on to help I literally like to say thousands, but I know all I need to do is have your words impact one person and they can change the world. So thank you for, for making us a very important part of your morning. Um that is Ryan Levesque. He gave you, everybody, remember an opportunity today. So com slash Tony so you can pick that up. His name is Ryan Levesque. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. Until next time, go make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question.